welcome to this session, All Things ESG. Um, I've been really looking forward to chairing this one, and I know that our panellists have all been looking forward to talking about it together. Um, so I'm Emily Wright, Head of Content at EG, um, and I'm joined today by Gareth Atkinson, Director, Civic Engineers, Katie Whip, Head of Deepkey UK, Hala Al Akel, Senior Director, ESG and Operations at Oxford Properties Group, and Kess van der Speck, Public Affairs and Global Corporate Relations Director at EDGE. So a fantastic panel. You're all far better placed to discuss this than me, which is good because I'm just going to be asking the questions. Um, so actually, Kes, I just want to start with you because we were talking previously and you said this is actually a really difficult subject. And that rang true with me because while I love talking about it and writing about it, it is a difficult subject that feels like an overwhelming sense of responsibility when you're talking or writing about this subject. So what do you mean when you say it's sort of a difficult one to tackle? Um, we started about 15 years ago with sustainability. So making, making buildings sustainable as, let's say, on, on energy efficiency. That was the main issue where we did, I think, pretty good in the last uh, 10, 15 years. And when you talk about ESG, uh, the E, that's, that's a clear thing for a lot of people because it's how are we going to, to work with our energy and, and, and materials and all kinds of other things. But social and governments and, and to connect that to each other is completely different in the real, real estate industry as far as I, I'm, I'm, I'm used to. And um, so when we were setting up the ESG group in our company, um, the, the first thing we had to do is to educate people what is ESG, what all the topics in that ring we're going to talk about and how do you connect those E with the S and the G because it's not simple straightforward things they all connect to each other and uh, and what we noticed we have we have a lot of engineers uh, university people from everywhere really intelligent people they really had to study the subjects uh, weeks before to understand exactly what ESG means so it starts already with the subject itself altogether how difficult it is so you have to educate your people. That's already where you have to start with before you think about what your policy is. And, and, and um, Hala, let's come on to you. How easy is that, educating your people? Um, I think I can't hear the microphone. Is it working? Is it better? Okay. Um, I think it's really about the convergence of very different kinds of disciplines. So it's often speaking different languages um, and um, it's not one level of expertise. So it goes from social impact to biodiversity to decarbonization to, uh, to cyber security. So uh, to bring everyone together under, under one umbrella is, is not straightforward. And to try to simplify too much, then you lose a lot of the substance. So it's about uh, creating a shared language at a certain level and then allowing for pockets of expertise to still develop within um, the business. Thank you very much. And Katie, how, how do you manage that sort of, you know, you sort of on one level, you kind of have to bring people with you, but then there are then there are this sort of the deeper dives and the expertise. How do you marry up those two things? Absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, part of what we do is very much around the data and that being the golden thread. And I think it's really important to to not try and do everything at once. I think, as we've said, ESG is, is really complex. It's quite overwhelming if you try and run and do all strands. So I think it's really understanding uh, the various priorities that you need to make within those work streams, looking at how those align together and then prioritizing or driving accountability around how you'll resource those and move those forward. 
Thank you very much. And Gareth, same, same sort of question to you, really. You know, it can, can be a difficult, overwhelming subject to tackle. How do you tackle it? Um, as, as a group and practice of engineers, um, we, uh, certainly when it comes to the E, we are very focused on sustainable design. And so I think that's kind of inbred within the way in our culture, within our firm, and we're always talking about the environment and how we can be better engineers and help improve it. Um, social aspect is something which uh, can be engineered as well, I think, in some respects, um, because actually if we can help uh, inform and work with our clients to, to make changes uh, to a standard way of doing something where it's just trying to improve um, the walking and cycling network around a building which you might be working on, working with the local authorities, trying to connect people up to collaborate a little bit more, then that's going to improve uh, the, the social aspects around development. Um, so it's, I think it's when we're thinking about engineering, we're thinking about the environment, thinking about the social as well very much. And I was talking to somebody about ESG. Well, I talked to lots of people about ESG, but somebody specifically recently, and we were talking about getting people on board and bringing people along for the journey. And she said, and I wanted to put this to you as a panel, she said, You've ki we're kind of past people asking why. You know, if somebody asks why, she's like, I automatically, I'm like, well, it's kind of too late. And that the people who ask how, that's absolutely fine. You know, how are we going to do this? And how, even how, how are we going to see a, a sort of return on that? That kind of thing is fine. But, but why should we be doing it is just the wrong question. And that do you, do you guys agree that the time for people asking why has passed? And if they're asking why, then really there's not much point even trying to bring them along for the ride. Kess, I'm going to start with you on that too. I think they still can ask why. Um, because otherwise, if you immediately go to the how, I'm a little bit afraid that then we're going already wrong. Um, it it amazes me sometimes that you still have to explain that the building has to be sustainable and why. It's still happening. Um, and for instance, in the Netherlands, from on the next year, uh, your, your office building needs to have a certain level. See, if you are under it, you're not allowed anymore to work in the building. Uh, if you look to the Dutch government and all their buildings, 50% is not on that level already. So. That it's, it's already starting with, with the people who really have to tell us a bit what is the why, uh, how difficult it's ready for them to think about it. And uh, we try to, to do the how uh, and practice also the how. Uh, and there I'm, I'm, I agree with you that, that that's, that's the, the nice story to tell because the why is a little bit for me also over. But uh, the how story is, um, is just, just, we have said, just do it and go for it and, uh, and show what you do. And that's what we're constantly doing. And uh, what we did last week in London, as you remember. Um, and, and, and let's say in that way, I think, um, especially on, on universities, uh, where we are, have a lot of connections, where we are going to tell the how and not the why anymore. So that's, on that level, it's going well. But with people already longer for 20 or 25 years in the business, it's still the why. So there is a fortunately indifferent and uh, that the how is, is the younger generation understands the why much better than let's say my generation where still the why is the thing. Um, and what do you, I mean actually I'm going to come to you Gath because you, you just nodded there. What do you think about the, the why versus the how and are people still allowed to ask why? I think people are still asking why but I totally agree. I think the young people we've got coming and joining our company are, are totally in tune with it and um, if we weren't pushing ahead um, with environmental agendas 
then they wouldn't want to work for us um, because they're so passionate about it. In terms of the how, um, I think we've got to make green choices profitable because that's going to be what turns, I think, um, a, a lot more people's heads who are, are still saying why. Um, and then we'd have cracked it. <laughs> Katie, I'm going to come to you next, actually, on two points, I hope you don't mind. The, the how versus the why, and then also what, what Gareth said about making, making it profitable. Um, your thoughts on that as well. Absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, I agree with the panel that the why very much sort of needs to be a dead conversation. I think we've seen a huge amount of ambitions and targets being set, particularly over the last 18 months. So I think there's definitely a, a really strong recognition on on why we're doing it and where we want to go. I think the reality is, is actually turning that intent into action. And I think that's where a lot of the concern is. I think one of the things in the real estate sector is actually a, a concern over getting it wrong. So I think one of the things that we do need to do is be more open around the successes we have when it comes to ESG, but also the learnings. We're not going to get it right. We're all going on the same journey. We're all in the same lane. And I think we need to recognize that part of the strength in reaching these milestones that are flying at all of us, it isn't just one of us in the sector, is joining forces and actually going through all of it together and making sure that skills are shared, experiences are shared. We're levering leveraging technology across all of us, data, et cetera. And I think that's really, really important. Um, Sorry, I was <laughs> just about to say something, but carry on if you wanted no, no, to. Go for it. Um, well, actually, I just wanted to pick up on that point you made, which is excellent, which kind of leads me on to talking about collaboration in this sector. I know that we're talking about ESG as a value driver, but I think that one of, one of the major... Um, sort of recurring themes that keeps coming up behind that is the need for collaboration. You know, how can ESG as a value driver work, you know, in silos, company by company by company, when this is a global issue? So, Hala, can I start with you on that? Where, where do you stand on the idea of collaboration across industry and beyond industry as well? I mean, it's... Um when we look when we look at the challenge we're faced at, and it's just brought back to mind a, a sentence that the President Hollande um, said yesterday during the keynote, um, and it was around uh, policy not uh, being up to date with life in general. So um, when you think when you talk about collaboration, what comes to mind is the fragmentation of our sector, but the decisions that we need to take. Um, are actually um, require a global view and collaboration between uh, industry and, um, uh, and and governments. And this is where I, I see one of the biggest gaps and dangers um, that we're facing with today because it's not only that we're having to work with policies that are at the moment not very well written, but we still have to, to act. I would say that the biggest challenge uh, where, where collaboration is key is, is this fragmentation of our industry. And in the past, like in the 70s, we used to have, a, like uh, like in France, there was a, a ministry of, uh, of, of, of planning in a way, but that brought everything together. Um, the other thing is the data challenge and, um, and, uh, and the lack of a shared language. So working on that convergence is key and it cannot happen without collaboration. Uh, but that needs to happen in parallel to acting. So we can't wait too long for this data to be completely shared, uh, this language to be completely shared. We still have to act, so they have to work um, in parallel because of the urgency of the challenge that we're dealing with. 
Thank you very much. And Kez, I want to, to put that question to you as well around collaboration and how, well, I don't want to put words into your mouth, but whether or not you feel that's important across industry and whether, you're, whether we're seeing that happening. And I think what, what Hala said is it's not only the industry, it's especially also the, the governments, especially the local governments. Um, we were just talking about we're going to do Edge London Bridge, which is a, a hybrid wooden sustainable tower in London. And um, because we're working very close to the city, especially to the, the city on the South Bank, um, we managed to, to build a kind of community. We also built a park. Uh, and that's that's almost obliged by the city to do so. So, and I think that's very good. You see that now in, in certain cities in Europe coming up that you have to not only do that building, but the surroundings are extremely important. And we talked about infrastructure, eh? that's also a part. We, we would love to do something else about infra infrastructure, but that's, that's done by the government and the local government. Uh, next to that, it's uh, also obliged to, uh, to give the community a place in that building. Um, so the first three to five floors can be used by every entrepreneur in the surroundings at a special rate, uh, almost free to work there to start their own businesses. And that's part of our business model to make that tower. So that's all the initiatives where the collaboration between public and private are really popping up. And, and that's already an example of a project that we're going to do in Amsterdam, where that's absolutely not the case yet. So you see that, that those kind of initiatives from cities uh, help let's say the environment and also the, the, the city, but also ourselves to think differently in, in the ESG norms and, and, and new solutions, but also the new challenges. And it's possible. It's, you talked about profitability. It's still not an issue. So it can be done. I just wanted to follow that up really and just say, isn't that just really important to have that collaboration with the planning authority? Because you might want to build a tall tower. They might not want you to build it at all. But actually, if you're giving something back, those first three or four stories, then you know it's making it uh, viable financially, and you're beginning to, to give something back. And the local authorities are people we need to really collaborate with to make sure that we can get the best for developers and what they need to make something work. But also creating these public spaces, public-private spaces, and giving more back. It's, it's so, so important as part of any development now. Because if we want healthy modes of transport, improving our streetscape, then every development along the way needs to be part of that journey. I think that a lot of what we've been discussing, a lot of what you've been discussing, has touched on this point that... Um, you know, you were talking about um, a, a place for the for the local community. We're talking about local authorities and government involvement, um, and the value that comes from ESG. And you did mention at the beginning, I think, that there is a there's a very clear focus on the E. And so we've touched on it, I know, but let's try and address that in a bit more detail because I think that's so important. How do we bring the industry along, and not just the industry, but everybody along with the S and G elements of ESG? Because it's come up a lot in this panel, and yet I still think that when people hear ESG, some of them just actually hear E. Um, so how do, we, how do we deal with that? It's quite a big question. So Katie, I'll, I'll come to you on that, sorry. <laughs> Thank you, big question. Um, so I think, yeah, you know, you're spot on. I think when people hear ESG, I think they naturally relate to the environment element or the sustainability piece. I think it's, it's our comfort zone in real estate. It's where we spend most of our time. It stems from earlier conversations around energy optimization, as you said, and 
the S and the G, I think, are still an uncomfortable space. We're immature still in terms of data sets, metrics, uh, reporting initiatives. And I think, in reality, there sort of isn't a consensus around what the social should look like, for example. And perhaps that's because we're trying too hard perhaps to quantify everything and the social just isn't quantifiable in the whole. So we need to probably step back, look in the whole. And I think there's so much localization when you start to look at the, the S element as well that you can't have sort of a, a cookie cutter approach to your social strategy. Not that that's the case with E either. So I think it's an area where we've got to be brave, we've got to be bold, we've got to trial initiatives again. But actually, one of the big things is around um, collaboration with the, the local communities that it impacts. I think historically, investors are usually seen as somebody who implements something that is the most cost-effective solution and doesn't necessarily play to what's most valuable to those who occupy the buildings, surround the buildings, whereas I think particularly COVID may have escalated that but we've seen a huge step change in terms of that ecosystem and a kind of parallel relationship where the investor knows that value is more than just ROI in a direct sense. It's actually more than pounds and pennies. It's that retention, it's that satisfaction, and it's a much bigger piece. But I think equally, as I say, there isn't a secret answer. We just need to get going with it. Thank you very much. And Hala, your thoughts there on, you know, being bold and brave around the, the S and the G, the areas that maybe we're sort of not quite as familiar with as we are with the E. It's interesting that we're dissociating them now in, in the way the question is posed, because if you think of the transition we're going through, we cannot think about it without thinking of social justice, because there are decisions, oops, sorry, we're having to make that will impact certain communities in certain ways. Um, and, and this is where, um, in order for this, um, the E transition uh, to happen properly, and um, we need to, um, to ensure that it is just and that it doesn't penalize certain communities. So, uh, like for me, this is a fundamental point where, where, where they do connect. And then, as, um, <coughs> as, a, uh, as a property manager, asset manager, and as a like, developer and investor, like, for us, it's very much about how any, any space or any neighborhood we intervene in, how do we uh, ensure we leave it better than when we arrived? And that is at the core of everything uh, we do. But where I connect a lot with what you're saying is this, again, like this obsession with data. We do need it. We need to measure. We need to make evidence-based decision because that's how we work. But on the social case, will often be about case studies that are linked to, uh, you know, some uh, to the to, to the story around food or to around like sourcing certain material or to some uh, engagement uh, with the local communities, wh whether it's cultural or identifying gaps in social infrastructure within a neighborhood and trying to fill that gap. Um, so uh, this is where I feel ambiguous a little bit about data, but I say this, I, have, I should say that we have an ex a very strong uh, AI and data analytics team at Oxford with, who are, I would say, the best ambassador for our ESG program. So um, yeah, so there's ambiguity there, but, I'm, like, but that I'm comfortable with, but it, still recognize it. Thank you very much. And Kaz, the same question to you. And you know, that stemmed from, from you talking about um, you know, place for the community. Um, the ESG element, how do, you, how do we make sure that the S and the G are getting the same, the same attention as the E? 
We were very focused on, on, on like everybody here, you said it very good. It's, uh, it's, we feel very comfortable only with E, and the S and the G is, is, is in that sense, what I said at the beginning, also difficult. What we noticed is that uh, we are coming hopefully a bit out of the pandemic, and uh, you see going back to the office that people have been changed also in those two years, thinking about S and G stuff. And uh, that's what we noticed a lot, and we created within the pandemic two new companies. And one is going about data and platform and everything what has to do with much more than only, let's say, the energy efficiency of buildings, but also how we use buildings, what we do outside, inside. And there already comes some, some S and Gs back in that platform and the way we think, but also the people we hire, for instance. We were very focused on university, male, uh, technical, and that was it. Now we are going to have complete different companies in platform. Uh, we have, for instance, um, we have a lot of people from Ukraine and Russia now. And, uh, and then already, if you have doing nothing with ESG, you already have a big problem today. So also changing, the companies are changing, and I think that counts for everybody, is that in those two years we have been changed towards ESG. And, uh, and I feel that a lot. And also we created a workspaces team um, who, who I think 20% of their task is to work with the community outside. So also that happened during pandemic to, to understand much more what's going on in the city where we live in and where we work in. So we all noticed that when we were at home. It's a funny thing. When I, I was at home for six, seven weeks, I've never met so many neighbors sitting in the park and, and eat something and talk about something else and still work is involved. Eh? So um, it, 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 although the pandemic was not a, a lot of fun, it helped us also to be a, more, a little bit more ESG way and style. Um, and Gareth, coming to you on that question as well, you know, you mentioned that a lot of the, the younger people that you're, that you're seeing have a much better understanding of ESG. Is that, is that E, S and G, or is it just E? Yeah, I think it is E, S and G, certainly the S aspect in there as well. Um, that, you know, they want to, young people want to be part of something. Uh, they want to go to work, a uh, place to be where they uh, they enjoy, and they can work for a company which they can see. Uh, is thinking broadly, not just about doing the day job, getting yourself in, getting home, but actually somewhere to go and be and celebrate um, what you do as a profession. Thank you very much. So. Coming back to the value side of things, we're here to talk about ESG as a value driver. Um, so in terms of value, what the occupier wants is, is, a, is, a, is a massive driver for that, obviously. Um, so in terms of how occupiers' ESG targets and, and needs and requirements are changing, what have you guys noticed on that front? So could I start with Halla on that, please? I would say that the, there, there's a discrepancy between what uh, landlords um, are looking at and occupiers are looking at. Uh, often we're still talking about certifications on the occupier side, whereas we are more focused, for example, on using like science-based targets to achieve like decarbonization, identify uh, path and corrective measures and so on. Uh, and this is the biggest challenge because it's going to be an education, um, an education to to align on what um, on what success or what best practice means. Uh, and this is where, when we go back to the question around uh, um, the why, and we shouldn't ask the question, but I think our our role here is to actually talk about the why in order to identify that shared. Uh, definition which often does it does not exist yes between these two user groups. 
very much. And Kes, the same question to you around occupier demands. It's changing completely what occupiers want. That's what we feel. Um, and, and again, that has to do how we're going back now uh, to, let's say we do a lot of offices, so how are you going back to the office? But what we notice, and then, I, then you get the new generation again, we know that for, the, in, I think in the coming five years, we change almost 30, 40% of the workforce towards the, the new generation. And they, they, they are not going to sit in an office anymore uh, like we used to do that. Uh, they want to have something else, otherwise they stay at home. They are used now to do that. And so currently we are going to change office spaces towards much more, um, let's say, informal meeting spaces, places, but also how you can, can concentrate better. But they like to, to see also what are people in the building. Uh, that's why they come to that place to work or to be and to collaborate uh, together. Uh, so that's why I think 30%, 35% of our buildings is now for a flexible workforce where in a building where we are with, with 10,000 square meters of 80 companies, some very small, but you see that everybody's starting working, working together and everywhere in the building. So we changed, we changed the interior even to collaborate and to, to create much more community in the building. So the, 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 the challenge is still to get also people from outside also in the building. So we, for instance, uh, changed our security level this in, in a lot of our buildings is not a security. It's done by, by the people who manage the building now exactly who's coming and not coming and they talk to people why they are here and you can easily come in, get out. Same with the building in London, the security level goes higher, three to five floors. So everybody, a public, private kind of uh, community levels you get in the building. So there is a lot changing, I think, in the coming years to that. I think it's just worth we're touching on something there, just just staying with you for a minute, Kez, which is that obviously edge buildings are renowned and have been renowned for quite some time for being incredibly smart, very sustainable, innovative, forward thinking. So I'm listening to what you're saying. I'm thinking, you know, if you guys are sort of busy changing and adapting and making things more flexible and making things more open, um, not, where does that leave everybody, everybody else? Because, you know, there, that, there's, there's steps that need to be made sort of quite far behind where you guys are at the moment. So, so what do you think we're going to be seeing from occupiers more generally and more broadly? Because it seems like there might be quite a way to go. Yeah, but you see also that, for instance, uh, we did the ING headquarters in the Netherlands. Uh, and their initiative of banks, you see, completely changing. And these are, are, are big, let's say, companies where a lot of employees, employees work. Uh, the whole ground floor, which is extremely huge, is open for everybody. So everybody can go there. So if a bank already starts to do so, uh, even the, the Dutch, Dutch National Bank is going to do the same. So I think with all those kind of practices, if you show them and talk about it, like we do here, uh, I think it, 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 it will, uh, people will pick it up, companies will pick it up. You see those big ones also starting, think they have to be transparent, open, work with the community. Otherwise, they, they lose their talent to work for their companies. I think that's one of the most important things, get talent into your companies. And that's, this is, ESG is helping with that. Thank you very much. We have a couple of minutes left. I don't know if we've got any questions. No, no questions. Oh, actually, there might be some from the audience. I was looking to see if we had any Slido questions. Any questions from the audience? It's all right. Lots of times people think, no, I'm not going to ask. That's fine, because I've, I've got a couple more here. If anyone changes their mind, let me know. Um, so I'm just going um, to, fin to finish off. I, I wanted to actually pick up, pick up on something that Katie said, which is that I think it was something, did you say that value is, is not just about 
ROI, and it's not just about the pounds and the pennies. And I think that's really interesting, given that we are talking about value, and obviously the, the financial side of things is really important, but it's not the only thing. So I just wanted to go along the panel, starting with you, Gareth. Do you agree with, with, that, with that sentiment, that the value is not just a sort of financially driven goal? Totally. <coughs> I think I think financial uh, driven goal would probably come out of if actually you took the, the decent approach to, to ES and G anyway, um, because uh, I think just as case put it, um, it um, people will want to be part of uh, an environment and place where um, where you seem to be doing the right thing, um, and if that's working in a in a really nice building, which uh, you know is sustainable. Uh, and and the company's working towards decent social values, then that's where they're going to want to be. Very much, Katie. I sort of don't feel I can ask you to uh, to comment on your your own comment. Um, but if you were going to leave our audience today with any final with a sort of a fi final thought, what would it be? Good question. Um, I think in reality, just be brave and take initiatives forward. Don't don't feel a need to hold back. And I think the big thing is is get sharing, get collaborating. We we all need to go on this journey together. So I think the qu we'll get there quicker if we all come together. If we keep sort of working in our own little pockets, it will take a lot longer. And 2030 and 2050 could be impossible. Very much for that, Hala. Just um, your thoughts on 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 Katie's earlier comment that. The value doesn't have to be a financial value. I mean, the, the thing is, they often converge. Uh, no one wants to um, to be in a in a non-vibrant, non-attractive uh, place. So the more you um, you in invest into creating such environments that are not, uh, s you know, isolated from their communities and. Um, you know, it's you don't. No one wants to end up with an empty box. So uh, I, I see them as very, very aligned fundamentally. Thank you very much. And Kest, final question to you. No, I, had a, I was thinking the the, the, the former your former question. I listen always to my kids. How do they like to work? We have had um, a few times uh, young kids of 12 to 14, 15 years five, six years ago coming and just testing our office. That was the most fun thing we have ever done. And, uh, and we really changed things because they thought, this is fun. And when kids of 12 to 15 think your, your place working is fun, just continue. But it's a simple one, eh, this one. I, I can't think of a better of a better quote to end on than that, and we're at zero seconds, so that's also works well with the timing. Um, that was fantastic. Thank you so much for joining me today. And could I ask everybody, please, um, to join me in thanking our panel. Thank you.